Okay, Genesis, Genesis 19. We are going to uh, discuss today the fate of Lot and the city of Sodom. Okay, so turn in your Bibles to Genesis 19. Um, last week we ended uh, just thinking, thinking about other biblical stories uh, that are similar to Abraham standing in the breach, right? Remember, we, we kind of looked at some different words. Abraham negotiates with God or bargains with God. Was that your word, Roxy, bargaining? No, I was meant bargaining. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah, bargaining. Um, it's almost like he's at the flea market, right? And he's trying to talk God down. Uh, but you gave us a better word, Phil. What's a better word than bargaining with God? Intercession. Intercession. And, of course, whenever we hear that word, we think of Jesus as our intercessor, okay? Um, there's a great passage in 1 Timothy. There is one mediator. That's another good word here. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So you got the picture up here. Um, one hand of Jesus reached out over the head of humanity, and the other hand reached out um, touching the, the divine, and Jesus brings us together. Right, that's the work of the mediator. And certainly we can see a, a pretty vivid picture of that with Abraham. But um, if you notice, Abraham's original question, let's just review this. Um, the Lord has appeared to Abraham. He's had a meal with Abraham. And now he's going to send these two angels to do what? In chapter 18, what are the angels going to do down in Sodom? They're going to smite Sodom, but first they have to do what? See if it's as bad as it's reported. Yeah, they got to inspect it. Okay, they're, so they're, this is a visitation of inspection. This is like when your boss says, hey, you know what? On Monday, I think I'd like to just kind of shadow you. Uh, <laughs> how about, you know, don't worry about it. I'm a good, I'm a good employee. But this is what's happening. The Lord is visiting Sodom. He's going to check it out. Now, Roxy, you got your hand up. What's, what's going on? Only because I didn't think they were going to go check it out until Abram bargained with them. I thought he was told them he's going to destroy the city. Well, if you look... They were coming for a nice visit to check out everybody. Well, he, it's, a, it's not a nice visit. When you're, I mean, do any of you look forward? I guess you could look forward to your boss shadowing you, right? But if you know that you're a terrible employee... Um, and your boss says, hey, I'd like to come inspect. Like, uh, Brett, you're an you're inspector at Honeywell of sorts, right? If you've got some employees who you know, they don't really know what they're doing, um, you just need the evidence of it, right? So you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check you out on Monday. They're not looking forward to the visit. This is not a friendly visit. You're right. But it could be. If God comes to inspect, he might find you doing the right thing. Right? Brett Suits might find all the Honeywell employees to be doing their job really well, and then he's going to give them all a raise. Okay? So the inspection is not necessarily a bad inspection. When God visits, the visit could be the time of grace, or the visit could be the time of destruction. What makes all the difference? What are you up to? Right? What kind of an employee are you? Okay, now, we know that he's what he's going to find in Sodom. And we probably should say here, does God already know? 
Yeah, he knows, okay? But he tells Abraham what he's up to. He leaves this period of inspection open to allow for Abraham to learn something here. Remember, we talked about this is training for Abraham and for all of Abraham's descendants. There's going to be this training that goes on. If God didn't consult with Abraham, if he just said, you know what, I know what's going on in Sodom. I'm just going to rain the fire down right now. He could do that. It'd be perfectly just, perfectly righteous. There'd be nothing wrong with that. But he takes time in order for Abraham and all of us to kind of come into his counsel. Right? God does not want you just to be a passive Christian. Our righteousness, we receive the righteousness of Christ, There's, that's passive. But God doesn't want a bunch of couch potatoes. He wants co-workers. He wants good employees. Uh, that's kind of a weird way of saying it, but you, you see what I mean. He wants participation from Abraham and from you. God actually wants you to know what's going on. He wants you to look out into the world and say, hey, one day Christ is returning. His kingdom is coming. I want to see the kingdom grow already now. He wants you to think that way. If you don't think that way, well, you might say, well, it'll be a good surprise when he comes. Um, but God doesn't want you all caught off guard. He wants you to be aware, to be alert. Okay? So with Abraham, we see that, this intercession for Sodom. He's praying while the angels are visiting. And we're going to find out what they find in their visit here today. So uh, let's get the visit down first, and then we'll review a little bit of how did Lot, who started off so good, how did Lot get into this position um, where he's living in the middle of Sodom? Uh, well, well, I think there's some very interesting things for us to find in the life of Lot. Okay, so who would read for us Genesis 19, uh, maybe 1 through, let's just go 1 through 11. Go ahead, Ben, read that for us. Kim, you can pick it up after that. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread. All right, pause real quick. What does this sound like? These angels come, they visit. Lot says, come on in. No, really, come on in. Please come on in. I'll make you a feast. What just happened with Abraham? Yeah, this is very similar to what just happened with Abraham. Remember, in the heat of the day, here come these three men. Abraham gets up, runs to him. Come on in. Okay, so this is a positive. This, this story gets off to a good start here. This is good of Lot. He recognizes these two men. Why do you suppose Lot says, no, really, come on in? Okay, Lot's been living in Sodom. He knows what happens in Sodom. He knows, okay, if you guys stay out in the city square all night, it's not going to be a pretty picture. So why don't you come in? Okay. This is also part of the, part of the story here is... Um, you may have heard this. People say, the sin of Sodom. What really was the sin? 
And um, some, this is a modern, a very modern thing, of course, because people don't want the Bible to say that homosexuality is sinful. So they say the real sin of Sodom is that they're inhospitable. They lack hospitality, okay? Now, that's like saying, you know, if you cross the street to punch me in the face, the real sin was jaywalking, right? But you shouldn't jaywalk either, okay? So the hospitality thing, this, that's really there. Lot is being hospitable. The Bible makes a lot out of hospitality. But we don't want to pit these things against each other as if the only problem in Sodom is just that they, you know, were unfriendly to guests. They were, <laughs> um, but in a very brutal kind of a way, all right? So we're off to a good start. Lot says, come on in. No, really, come on in. What does he serve them? Notice the food. Unleavened bread. Very interesting. What did Abraham serve when the Lord came over? Fattened calf and a whole bunch of bread, okay? Curds. Remember I told you curds? If you have curds in your house, you're wealthy. That means you've got so much milk, you don't know what to do with it all. So you turn some of it into curds. So if you eat cottage cheese this afternoon, you are rich, okay? That is fatty, rich food, okay? Um, we have a big tub of it. The girls go crazy. Lydia gets it all over her face. It's a pain in the neck, okay? But we do that because we're so well off. We eat our curds. Um, now, unleavened bread... We might draw a contrast here. What would the contrast be between Lot's food and Abraham's food? Lot's in a hurry. We know Abraham was in a hurry too, but maybe even more of a hurry. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. There, this is the difference between urban life and maybe life out in the, in the sticks, in the mountains of Hebron. I think that's where Abraham was. Um, yeah, so maybe there's a contrast there. What else? I think she mentioned unleavened bread is fast food, or hurt. you said hurry. What is the, the Bible story that really points that out to us? Passover. The Passover, right? Remember the Lord says, on the night... When the angel of the Lord passes over, you don't wait for your bread to rise. You got to eat unleavened bread, the food of haste. Okay, so there's there's something interesting here with Lot. I don't know what all to make out of what he serves them, but maybe we can later uh, see if there's other similarities between what happens here and what happened at the Passover, because it's not just the unleavened bread thing. There's some other similarities that might, the Holy Spirit might want us to be drawing some connections there. All right? Keep going, Ben. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot See, they, ju they just wanted to have a conversation. <laughs> they, they just wanted to know, where are you guys from? Yeah, keep going. Yes. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. 
Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Okay, now notice here the verb to know, right? I jokingly said, see, they just want to talk to Abraham. You can see here, why is that ruled out? Well, look what Lot says about his daughters. They have not known any man. That doesn't just mean I homeschooled them and so they're, they're not socialized, right? It means, uh, what did you say? Knowing in the biblical sense, right? Adam knew his wife Eve, okay? So I have two daughters. They're virgins. They're unmarried. Lot knows what they're asking for. He knows that when they say, we want to know these men, this is not just, we want to have a pleasant conversation. We want to hear about life outside of Sodom. Okay, this is a, a wicked request. Keep going. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. All right. Now, I know that when we read this story, um, I think we've talked in here about um, one of the ways to read Bible stories is kind of what I'd call the Aesop's fable way. Right? What's the moral of the story? Don't be like Lot, right? Um, that is, the Bible does teach moral lessons, right? There are, ta- there are examples that are there so that you learn, I should be like that and not like that. But the, that happens um, sort of as an aside. It's not the main point. And if we make it the main point, then I think we lose the real main point. Okay, the main point of the Bible is, to use a big word, Christological. It's about Jesus Christ. So we want to see something in this story, not just a moral lesson, don't be like Lot, don't be like the city of Sodom. That's true. Okay? If that's all you remember from today, that's, okay, that's better than nothing. Right? But there's, there's more going on, and I think sometimes we slip into that and we just say, wow, Lot was a bad guy. Look what he was doing. He offered his daughters. Um, How could he do that? It's kind of like what happens when we read about Sarah and Abraham and the whole thing with Hagar, right? Well, why would she even suggest that? And it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's what I think of immediately. But there's something Sarah is trying to work out. How is the promise of God going to come true? I'm barren. How is this going to happen? Maybe we need to get, you know, Hagar involved here. God didn't give us all the details. Maybe we need to work this out. So it's not just purely Sarah and Abraham are, are just evil people. Okay? So when you hear this instance, what is Lot doing? He's got these two men and he's got these two daughters. What's he offering to the, the people of Sodom? Substitute. A substitute. Okay? He's going to offer a substitute. In a sense, he's going to sacrifice his own daughters for the life of these two men. Now, Paul is looking at me quizzically. I can read his mind. 
okay? He's thinking, but pastor, why would he do that, right? <laughs> yeah, well, his daughters certainly, um, we're going to find out later that his daughters aren't all that impressed with their father, okay? So they are going to come back into the story, and I agree. If, I was, if you were Lot's daughters and you heard Dad offer you to these guys, I think you would say, this guy is miserable, right? But there is at least this, and, and this gets us thinking beyond just the moral lesson of the story, there is this offering of a substitute, which we see again and again and again in the Bible. Now, what do the angels do? Instead of saying, oh, good idea, Lot, quick, shove your daughters out the door so that these guys don't take me, what do the angels do? The angels say, no, we don't need to be substituted for. Save the, the angels save the daughters, and they strike the men with blindness. Now, this blindness is kind of an odd one. Um, it doesn't seem like they were totally blind, does it? They're not, it's not that they couldn't see anything. What happens? They can't... Yeah. If, and this is what I mean. Um, if it was just that they couldn't see anything, they would have just kind of given up right away, right? But they're still seeing something, but they can't find the door. So it's a strange kind of a a blindness that comes on them. Now, think again of the unleavened bread. This is all happening at what time of day? Nighttime, right? They've eaten their meal. This is after the meal, so it's getting late. I don't know what, they didn't have a clock, but I would imagine it's dark outside, okay? What was the plague that immediately preceded the Passover? Do you remember your plagues on Egypt? It was a plague of darkness that could be felt, the Bible. It repeats that a couple times. It was a darkness that you could feel. And this is a similar kind of a darkness. It's not just, well, we can't see anything anymore, but they can't find the door. They're worn out in looking uh, for the door. So again, we're, we're thinking beyond just the moral of the story. That's there, okay? Um, you offer up your, this is bad paternal advice. <laughs> Don't offer your daughters. But there is something that we could at least see, well, he is offering a substitute for these angels who then say, no, we've got it. Right, we'll take care of this. Now, when, you, when I put it in those terms, does that remind you of anything else around this time? Anything else in the life of, say, Abraham? Did Abraham ever offer a sacrifice that was, yeah, remember? He's going to offer his son, and at the last minute, the Lord says, I will provide the sacrifice, right? He puts the ram in the thicket, okay? Now, I don't know all of what's going on here. It's a very strange story, um, but it at least makes us think Lot is sort of a, he's a counterfeit type of Abraham. He's close to Abraham, but not quite. He's the kind of counterfeit that's close enough that when you give the cashier the, you know, the $100 bill, they look at it. I think this is the real, it's almost the real deal, but not quite. And the not quite parts, you know, they jump out at us. Well, he's living in Sodom. He's giving up his daughters to these wicked men. This is much different than what Abraham's doing with Isaac, but it's close enough to at least say, 
there's something going on here. There's something more than just, ooh, lot, bad, Sodom, wicked. There's something more going on, okay? Yes? Well, well, yes. What is Lot doing there? Yep. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk. That's great. We'll talk about that's. It's a cautionary. It's a. It's definitely. It's it's definitely a cautionary type. Okay, um, and we'll see. Hopefully, as we go along, how could it come to this? How can a righteous man? live in a city that's this bad? Why didn't he move away? And we'll talk about why. Yeah, there's, well, and, and there's, there's at least, there's at least, there's some hints here that you might have picked up on. Where was Lot sitting when the angels came into the city? He was sitting at the gate. Now, if you were in early service, um, I mentioned this just briefly in the sermon, so we'll test you. What's the significance of the city gate? It's the place of judgment. It's the courthouse, right? It's the ancient courthouse. So Lot's sitting there at the gate, presumably as a judge. How else do we know that? Is it, am I just guessing at things here? Look what it says in verse, it's always good to find it in the text. Look what they say to him in verse 9. This fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Okay, so perhaps part of the answer to your question is, there were some comforts afforded to Lot. He had some nice status in the city. And well, I think there's good reason to think that he probably was in some official position there. Yes? I Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, there, um, I think that's... That does happen often in the Bible, right? Um, the Pharisees... Think, think about Jesus. Um, the Pharisees, well, even the demons... They come out like moths to the flame around Jesus, right? They were, already, they were already in the synagogues. This is one of the strangest things. Jesus goes around and he's preaching in the synagogues. Now, you would expect the demons to be like out in the, in the you know, Gentile world, right? They're the unclean Gentiles. But when Jesus shows up, he's preaching in the synagogues, and it's in the synagogues that the demons come out. So they're, they're kind of drawn to him, I think this is what I hear you saying, Catherine, like moths to a flame, and the wicked, when the Lord shows up, there is this, there's righteousness revealed, but it also reveals the true depths of wickedness, and I think that's, there's something to that, to what you're saying there. Now, I also think it's, Lot doesn't respond when they say, we want to know him. Lot doesn't say, 
well, this, that's crazy. You guys, we, we don't do that here. It seems like almost, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's become kind of customary that they, this is how they treat visitors. Okay, um, how do we get, oh, why is Lot there, right? That was your, that's how we got into that. So he's a judge, he's, um, he's in some position of status in the city, and even though it's an unrighteous place, it's not like it's, there's no comforts there. I'm sure that there were plenty of creature comforts to life in the city, and we'll, we'll mention some of those in a minute. But let's finish the story, because we're kind of halfway. Um, where did you leave off, Ben? Eleven. Keep going. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Sons in law, sons, daughters, or any anyone you have in the city. Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons in law, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought him out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, O no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. It is, is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. And he said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked, and behold... The smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. All right. So there's the, uh, the conclusion of Sodom anyways. Now we're going to find that that's not quite the end of the story because we've got this little bit about um, Lot and his daughters. But what do you notice there when the angels are dealing with Lot? There's a couple things that stand out. What do you notice there? 
Okay, they're, they're saying, hey, anyone else that you're connected to, Lot, remember my example of Abraham, when Abraham redeemed Lot, think of those, the, the, um, the ropes or the strings that connect us to each other. Abraham is connected to Lot, and so when Lot gets pulled away by Cheddar Lammer back in chapter 14, Abraham goes and redeems him. Okay, so the angels are saying to Lot, hey, are you connect- do you have ties to anyone else here? Get them and bring them with you. So if you're with Lot, you're safe. You're going to be okay if you're with Lot. But what do we find out about Lot's connections? They don't believe him. They're pretty loose. Yeah? His sons-in-law think it's all a big joke. Right? As sons-in-law sometimes think of their fathers-in-law, right? But you can, you can imagine, here they are in this great city. The city of Sodom was not some kind of small place. And here comes your father-in-law, and he's saying, hey, these guys say they're about to destroy the city. Okay, Dad, whatever you say, man. You're, it's, you're just making stuff up, right? You've always been pretty gullible. Right? You've always been telling us about Abraham and all this business. Why should we believe you now? Um, so they don't listen. Okay? And his, uh, not only do they, are they slow to listen, but who else is kind of slow on the uptake? Lot. Lot. He, he lingers, it says. He loiters. This is why we have rules against loitering. No loitering. Okay? Um, when the angels say, run to the hills, is that an Iron Maiden song? Where's Jason when I need him? They say, run to the hills. That's probably where, if you know that band, that's where they, this is where they get that lyric. Run to the hills, and Lot's like, "Ah, I don't know if I can make it there. Yeah, how about just this little town? There seems to be uh, not only a hesitation, but almost a refusal to go to the mountain. That's, if it was translated literally, it would say, go to the mountain, Go to the mountain. And again here, think of the connections with the Passover. Where does Israel go when they leave Egypt? What's the destination? Mount Sinai. Okay? They're supposed to go to Mount Sinai. And they, what do they do along the way? They loiter, right? They grumble. They say things like, oh man, it was good down in Egypt. Why did you bring us out of Egypt, Moses? Down in Egypt, we used to eat meat and cucumbers and onions. And out here in the wilderness, we got nothing. They loiter, they're, they're linger. It's, now, they had this story. They, and Moses probably could have said, hey, guys, quit being like Lot, right? Didn't you, didn't you learn the moral of the story? But it gets repeated later. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there is, um, Lot is, uh, we have in Second Peter, so we have it on good authority, that Lot is righteous, but by all accounts, um, and the text mentions this, Lot is not, a, he doesn't come out of this glowing, does he? Why does the Lord save him? Well, it says in verse, where did it say he had mercy on Lot? Look at verse 16, the Lord being merciful to him, picked him up and set him outside the city. And then in verse 29, what does God remember? Yeah. 
God doesn't remember Lot was such a nice young man who always did what he was supposed to do and obeyed all my rules. <laughs> I don't know. That would, maybe the Jews have a, a tradition about him being a schmuck. But it says here, the Lord remembered who? Abraham. He saved in connection to Abraham. So the offer, it goes like this. If you're connected to Lot, you're going to be saved because he's connected to Abraham. Who are you connected to? Who are you with? If you're with Abraham, you know, you might lose everything else. All this stuff that you gained for yourself apart from Abraham is going to get wiped away. But at least if you're with Abraham, your life will be preserved. And if you're with Lot, then you're with Abraham. But if you're not with Lot, sons-in-law, even his wife, she's not really with Lot, then you're destroyed in the city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to pick on Brett again. If Brett ran Honeywell, Brett, what's your position at Honeywell? What is you're the manager, right? So if you if you ran Honeywell like this, um it wouldn't be good, right? When you're the manager, I guess there's times where you want to be slow to anger and abounding in mercy, but if somebody doesn't do their their job, Eventually, the boss has to say, you're fired, right? We're going to get somebody in here who actually does what they're supposed to do without me having to beg for them to do it, okay? And that definitely comes out here. The Lord is merciful. He is patient. And another way to translate patient is (laughs) long-suffering. These angels are long-suffering with Lot, aren't they? You had your hand up too, Mary. Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, very good. How, how long, do we know how long he's been living in Sodom? When did, when did he come with Abraham? How, how old was Abram when he was called out of Ur, of the Chaldees? Do you remember this from last week? Abraham was 75, okay? How old is Abraham at this point? 99. So there's been 24 years. Now, for a couple of those years, they were living together, Abraham and Lot. Let's, let's try to remember here a little bit of Lot's story. Okay, so when they first came out 25 years ago, they were buddies. They were, they were twins almost, right? I went, I went through that whole song and dance last week. Even though Lot is Abraham's nephew, he's not, he's his peer, right? They're the same or roughly the same age. So when Lot comes with Abraham, they're almost like twins. Again, Lot is sort of counterfeit. He's the poor man's Abraham, okay? He's the poor man's Abraham. And for a while, they live together, a couple years, who knows, long enough that their herds multiply, and eventually they've got to go separate ways. So this goes back to chapter 13. Abraham says to him one day, is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, the north, they're probably facing east. If you're not told in the Bible, it's always just assume that you're facing east. We call that B 
being oriented, right? Orientation is towards the east, okay? So you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zor, which we heard about, okay? So why did Lot go live by Sodom if he knew it was such a terrible place? Because it was profitable, right? You could make a lot of money there. You didn't have to work so hard. The, you didn't have to find, you didn't have to constantly move your livestock around. You could set up shop. You didn't have to always be moving your tent from one place to another. You had security. The city of Sodom seemed really secure. It even had walls. Abraham didn't have walls, right? What did Abraham live in? A tent. Now, we're not talking about a camping tent, right? We're talking about like, uh, you know, a nice tent, okay? He was glamping, if you know that term, out there in the wilderness. But he didn't have a city. He didn't have walls. He couldn't, he, he had to have men on watch all the time. So Lot looks at this. He says, wow, that land looks really good. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, we hasten to add here. Was it wrong for Lot to separate from Abram? No. The question is, how far are you going to separate? So if you look on the map here, um, I don't think I have my laser pointer. My son's not here to point it out to me. Um, There's two possible spots for Sodom, either down here at the south end of the Dead Sea. If you go to uh, the land of Israel now, I think, Sue, you've been there. Did you go visit Gomorrah? The site that they choose for Gomorrah is down here in the south, and they found these um, these sulfur balls in the water there. You can you can check this out on YouTube if you want to see what sulfur balls look like when they burn. They look like um, imagine a marshmallow when you roast the marshmallow and you put it in the fire. Some of you like your marshmallows this way, and it gets real big and then it melts and it's just this burning pile of sugar. That's what sulfur balls look like when they burn. You can see it on YouTube. But the other possible spot is up here. Instead of Sodom and Gomorrah down in the south, the other possible spot is up here. And uh, there's a fairly recent archaeological dig. Um, I can't remember the name of the city. I'll find it for you next week. There's a whole website for it where they found evidence of this enormous explosion they call it a, um, a meteoritic airburst. Doesn't that sound cool? A meteoritic airburst. So they found the remains, they, they unearthed this city that was scorched. And they, based on the angles of the scorch, they, they know that the fire came at a 25 degree angle. You know, it came from above. And that, anyways, I won't bore you with all the details there. That's the other possible site for Sodom. And it dates back to roughly, you know, as best as they can figure out, it dates back to roughly this time period. Okay, so whether it's down in the south or up here in the north, the text makes the point that not only does Lot separate from Abram, but he goes, I think we're supposed to think of this, he crosses the boundary. He goes out of the land. 
he goes into Sodom. He aligns himself now less with Abraham. He doesn't completely cut himself off, but he aligns himself less and less with Abraham and more and more with the nice city of Sodom. And I say nice in the sense of profitable, secure, you know, all the stuff that makes us say, that would be not a bad place to live. We'll just, you know, avoid the evil stuff. And we'll get all the benefits, but avoid the bad stuff. Yeah. Oh, bingo, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Ruth, Ruth has this great confession. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God, even if it means leaving home and going to some strange land. Okay, so that's a good counter to Lot, all right? Um, So that gives us at least a little bit of an indication that Lot found security, he found profit, he did find good things in Sodom, and we can answer something of Kim's question by just thinking, how often do we make choices based on, hey, this would be good for the bottom bottom line, right? Think about about how... um, Okay, think about making a decision about something like, where are you going to go to college? Where are you going to go to college? What's the number one thing that people think of right away? What? <laughs> Party? What, which? Okay, that's... Uh, well, I will confess to you, that was the only thing I cared about. Okay, when I... I <laughs> I had a choice between Michigan State University, where all my friends were going, which was one of the top party schools. And I don't know who makes these lists, but that was the list. And my sinful heart said, that would be a good choice. You'd have a lot of fun. Or I could go where my parents went, Concordia University in Ann Arbor. And I still remember the phone call when they called me to tell me, David Uppold, you've been selected to get this scholarship. And my heart sank because I knew I have to go there. My parents, they're not going to pay for me to go to Michigan State when I can go for free. God had mercy on me. He remembered Abraham and had mercy on me. Okay. But how often does that happen? It is one of the most common, even Christians, right? Even those who are, um, go to church every Sunday, we still think like this. What is the, what's going to make me the most money? What's going to be the, what's going to set me up for success? And we define success by the money, the mammon, right? Um, So it's not that hard when when you actually think about it. It's not that hard to see why Lot ended up in Sodom. Now, there's another step in the story of Sodom, which gets skipped over when we just zoom in on chapter 19. And that is, uh, remember what happened to Sodom They have a background with Abraham. When Sodom was kind of destroyed, it wasn't destroyed, but when that king with the weird name, back in chapter 14, you all remember that king with the weird name, Keterlamer, when he came down and swept away with all of the stuff of Sodom, who rescued Sodom? Abraham. Abraham. So here's my theory. How did Lot get to be the judge Well, because they had to, right? Out of obligation. Well, I guess your uncle saved us. 
So we'll put you, we'll establish you lot. We don't like you. You know, you're an outsider. You came into our city with your weird customs. You don't do the stuff that we do. But I guess your uncle did save us, so you get to be the judge in the gate on Tuesdays. <laughs> or whatever, you know, however they, they determine that. We'll give you a little bit of honor. Now, just think of how different, if, if this was, if the Bible was a choose-your-own-adventure book, um, Sam and Jacob are into those right now, so that's why I'm thinking of that. If the Bible was a choose-your-own-adventure book, and Lot, instead of moving in to Sodom, if Lot had just said, hey, Uncle Abraham, you're offering me the best land, I'll move into the best land, but I'm not going to totally leave. I'll still stay kind of connected to you. Think of how different his life could have been. So here's what really happened on the left side. Separated from Abram, moved out of Canaan. Gets captured by Keterlamer. Gets redeemed by Abram and his mighty men. There's no mention of Lot when they have the victory celebration. Remember Melchizedek, the other king with the weird name? Comes out, they have a big party in the valley. Nobody mentions Lot. He's a loser. Nobody mentions him. Okay? Um, he gets to be the judge in Sodom, but they all resent him. Right? That was clear from what it said there. You were a sojourner, now you're the judge. We don't like you. He gets laughed at by his sons-in-law. They don't take him seriously. He gets abandoned by his wife and his sons and all but two daughters. We only hear about these two daughters. Now, maybe he didn't have any others, but the angel said, do you have any sons? Do you have any other daughters? Bring them with you. And nobody came with him, okay? So he loses everything. He has no friends in the city. Nobody's willing to say, oh, Lot, we want to go with you. He's got nobody. And then later, his two daughters incestuously trick him, and he becomes the father of Moab and Ammon. How many of you remember what great things Moab and Ammon later do in the Bible? Anybody? Bueller? 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 They're, they're, they're enemies of Israel, okay? And they get wiped out, and they're completely lost. So, Everything, lot, everything that he gained in Sodom gets washed away. It's like a flood. Everything gets washed away. Now, think about what could have been. Let's say he separates from Abram, but he stays in Canaan. He stays close to Uncle Abraham because he remembers, those who bless you, I will bless. In you and in your seed, all nations will be blessed. Let's say that was more of how Lot was making his decisions. Okay? He could have become allies with Abram. He didn't have to live right next to Uncle Abraham. He could have been an ally, like these other guys. Ander, that's a misspelling. I know you're all bothered by that. Drop the D. The guy's name was Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Um, Lot could have been numbered among Abraham's fighting men. Instead of being uh, unmentioned when King Melchizedek throws the feast, Lot could have been honored at the feast. I don't know if you remember this, but... Uh, the king of Sodom tries to give, tries to pay Abraham, and Abraham says, no, I'm not going to take anything from you, but give it, to my, give it to my buddies. Let them have the spoils. Okay? So Lot could have gotten the spoils that way. He could have lived in the hill country and the Jordan Valley as a shepherd instead of living in Sodom as a judge. He could have had sons and daughters who married in with his allies 
And most notably, he could have had those two daughters. Who might they have grown up to marry? Instead of sons-in-law who laugh at you? Well, Abraham had two sons. Maybe they could have worked out some kind of a marriage. Maybe instead of Moab and Ammon, Lot could have been the grandfather to the sons of, the future sons of Isaac and Jacob. And instead of remembering him just as this guy who lost everything except his life, you, he could have been a great, he could have been highly honored. Okay, so uh, hopefully uh, in this story of Lot, of course, there's, uh, we'll talk next week about the city of Sodom a little bit more, how it got to the, the place where it was. Um, but, uh, but hopefully you can see here um, there's more going on than just, hey, don't be like Lot. Of course, that's part of the story, right? That's part of the story. But it, it certainly stands up for more reflection and a little bit deeper kind of insight into how do little decisions that we make have major consequences down the road? Um, and I, I think that the cautionary tale of Lot is not just don't get mixed up with homosexuals. That's there, okay? Um, but there's a lot more going on than just avoid the gay people. Fair enough? All right, we'll talk more about that wonderful topic next week, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, and uniting us with him. We pray that your Holy Spirit would um, deepen our faith, that he would deepen our love for your Son, uh, and that we would uh, be guided by you and by your word um, to deeper and deeper love for him and choices that honor you. Bless us now in worship and as we go to our homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.